Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. Welcome to this week's edition of My Big Idea, the weekly podcast from ASOS which celebrates young women in business. This week, I'm talking to Jesse Baker, a designer and technologist. In 2013, Jesse founded Provenance, a software enterprise which aims to help companies and consumers find out about where their products come from and how they're made. Here's Jesse's big idea. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Thanks so much for um, talking to us on the My Big Idea podcast. No worries. Um, we're nice here at you. your gorgeous office in Kentish Town, Highgate Studios. I wanted to start with um, you telling us a bit about what Provenance is and what it does. Sure. Yeah, so so Provenance is a platform for businesses um, to be a bit more transparent. So we work with uh, companies that make um, products, mainly in food and drinks industry, and we help them share more information about their business. So who are they? Where are they based? When were they founded? Um, and also help them open up the stories behind their products. So um, the supply chains and people, places and materials um, behind the creation of the things they sell. So can you give me an example of how that actually works with a specific product? Sure. Yeah, we've just um, done a huge p- piece of work on fish. Um, so the reason for using provenance is that you, um, the provenance of your product is important to the selling process. So um, either the place it comes from or the, um, the way in which it was made is an important facet to, um, to why people buy it. So we just did a big piece of work in the fishing industry helping support the first um, fair trade fishermen in the world. Um, and with our software, the um, businesses are able to share information about how those fish are caught and even the whole journey from catch to supermarket and then we visualize that for consumers when did you decide to launch launch it and how did the whole <laughs> tell me the story of how the whole thing came about um yeah i guess i'm a, a little bit of a reluctant entrepreneur um <laughs> how so? uh, well so i started provenance while i was doing a phd um, in computer science and compu- doing a PhD in computer science, a little bit dry. And um, I was doing pro- provenance as a side project. So a lot of the work I was doing with my PhD was looking at how we could make the supply chains of the things we buy more open and, and can transparent. I just stop you there and ask, where sure. does your interest in that whole side of things mm, stem from? Yeah, good question. Um, so a little bit um, from sort of childhood I guess uh, my mum was quite a conscious shopper um, she was vegetarian and was very keen on making sure um, she bought products that supported um, good causes and were made in a fair way so I guess I kind of got a bit of that from her and then I studied um, manufacturing engineering so I got to get, see inside factories of lots of different companies um, and 
I guess it really inspired me to think about how the reality and the supply chains behind the things we buy could be more more involved in the marketing of products, um, particularly with smaller businesses and um, more artisan products. I thought there was a disconnect really between how things are made and how they're sold. Okay, so you were studying and then this was a side project. Yeah. How did it evolve? Um, well, it started as just a, a one-page website that I made on one of those website builders, you know, like really super basic. Uh, it just said provenance, um, helping businesses be more transparent or something. And um, yeah, we ended up getting a bit of press off the back of that one-page website. I'm kind of thinking the press probably didn't realise it was just a one-page website. <laughs> they probably shouldn't be saying that. but um, And actually attracted quite a bit of attention. Quite a few businesses signed up. Um, and it went quite quickly from being an idea into a project that was suddenly on my hands. And then um, about a year, year and a bit ago, we I, I got to pause my PhD because we got some funding uh, from the UK government in order to actually turn this into a business and start um, working on the enabling technology. How did you secure the funding? A long and laborious grant application process. So there's so quite. Did you act- actively go and chase that, or did they? Approach yeah, you? yeah. Well, a bit of both. Um, there were quite a few programs for entrepreneurs um, where I was doing my PhD at UCL, and so through them I found out a bit about funding, um, and then yeah, ended up applying for an Innovate UK grant, which. They like to say it, the application doesn't take you very long, but it's, it's a little bit <laughs> involved, but it's not impossible. Uh, I think that was the thing. I, yeah, I just thought it was a bit of a wild card whether they would fund us, but they did. Uh, and I think we, I, th- I guess it's just about showing that you've got an innovative enough idea that it's worth them taking a bet on you. And that allowed me to yeah, turn it into a business. Why did you start it as a non-profit and not as a... Oh, no, we were actually for-profit. Right. We're just a social enterprise, right. which is a bit of a grey area at the moment yeah. because there's not-for-profits on one side, uh, for-profits on the other. We really wanted to somehow embrace the best of both. We have very much started with a social mission in mind. Um, and so being a pure for-profit seemed like not quite the right thing. So what we've done is we are a social enterprise officially and we have changed our um, articles, which are the, the legal thing that sits at company's house that says that we're a company, to reflect our social mission. So that when people invest in us, um, they also agree to be part of our social mission and use... Um, a percentage of our profits to help that rather than just right. make loads of cash yeah <laughs> and I really like you sort of have I like your ethos which is kind of very positive I think and it's sort of not saying to people you know you're really bad for buying all this stuff no but it's more just about educating or yeah. helping people find out more definitely about the products we're buying, all about the positive selling. yeah um, technology is a huge part of what you do yes um and I wanted to talk to you about that. But first, I wanted to know a bit about your background in technology. Hmm. Um, where did you, how did you first get interested in it? Hmm. Um, yeah. Just because thinking about the debate around young women and, you know, be, not getting, being able to get into technology as much as men. Yes. Being ignored in Silicon Valley and that kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's good. It's a really good thing to discuss. I think um, for me... Yeah, it's, it's funny. It, it all started at school, really. And I think people talk a lot about um, women in Silicon Valley or, or women starting startups. And actually, I think the, 
The issue with the gender imbalance starts very early age. I, I think it's all about um, trying to create um, a sense that it shouldn't be girls doing the arts and boys doing science. And I think, unfortunately, in a lot of schools, that stigma is, is still there. Um, I, I ended up studying maths and physics um, at A-level because... I couldn't do the other combination that I wanted to do which involved like art and drama and it literally was all just sort of by accident like I think um, I wouldn't necessarily have ever studied physics at A-level by choice but it just sort of was the only one that I sort of could do in this at school they had these blocks where you couldn't could only study certain combinations of things so it was quite random the way I managed to get a physics A-level which then meant I could apply for engineering it was definitely not a calculated choice at all. And were you conscious at this point of the fact that maybe it wasn't an obvious choice for girls or that girls are, that somehow seem to be herded into an mm. arena for arts? Yeah, no, well, in hindsight now, stuff. I'm quite angry, actually, mm. at the fact that, that nobody even... When I was at school, GCSE age... It wasn't. It wasn't even a suggestion that everyone was like, "Oh, you should try and do history. You should try and do." Like nobody even said, "Oh, why don't you do engineering?" It was always assumed that was a boy thing. Now? No, I really don't think it's changing, and it makes me kind of mad because actually, um, where I went to uni, there's now less girls studying engineering than when I was there. It just seems kind of ridiculous. I don't think. Um, I think there's a huge movement towards helping younger people learn to code and um, there's far more proactive approach to t technology education. But I still think that fundamental stigma exists, which is boys do maths and sciences and girls do the arts. And I think that needs to be crushed ASAP. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and the School of Hybrid yeah organization that you set up yeah Is i did and, and still still with? do it yeah i mean not as much because i've got quite my hands full yeah. with provenance at the moment um yeah i mean i'm really passionate about trying to do you want to explain a bit about what it is sure yeah so i, I set up a um organization with a friend that was around trying to mix up um lessons at school and try to fuse arts and sciences um together as i noticed that the way we learn um arts and the way we learn sciences were quite different and i think that was a is one of the reasons why um girls end up studying arts and boys end up studying sciences is the very kind of way that they're taught is being sort of shaped by that so the idea with school of hybrid was to um, teach people chemistry but with textile designers and teach people physics with dance and lots of kind of wacky ways of fusing together the two worlds. Um, yeah, we did a, a bunch of experiments in schools and actually the, the response was really positive. Um, I think, if I'm honest, for me it's just been impossible to think about trying to do two projects at the same time. <laughs> so I really hope I can pick it up again but in the future. Get involved with it. Oh, or definitely. About it. They can yeah, just website, reach out. Definitely. Yeah. What would you say to young women or women who have daughters? Like I myself have a young daughter, um, and so does Warren, who produces our podcast. Um, what's the best way for them to get interested early on in technology? Yeah. And coding. Well, yeah, I'd like, you know, I'd love it if it was at school, <laughs> but I think the reality is, um, I think it's about. Well, say if you're in your twenties and you've finished oh. your school education yeah but you just need to 
swapped up. Oh, okay. What, what that, would be the best way to do that? That's a different thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think... that's an easier um, way to approach it. I think in order to really get interested and kind of engage with technology, you need to have something you're passionate about doing that requires technology, I think. So for a lot of people I've met, it's, it's they want to start a blog or they... Um, you know, they, they want to maybe start their own company or whatever that might be, and that kind of facilitates um, the need to learn how to use tech. I think the big thing there, though, is rather than think, oh, I want to start a blog, I better go and try and find someone that's good at tech to set it up for me, is really trying to do it yourself. Um, and I think a big part of um, learning and being comfortable with technology is, is recognizing that you're going to be crap at it at the beginning probably and that you just you, if you but if you just get in there it, it just sort of jump in head first and realize that oh it's too difficult just to keep going and try and try and search your way through and and make it happen because things like customizing the code in a on a blog is totally doable i really believe that anyone can do that it's just they have to have enough passion to want to do it and feel like they can just going back to um, provenance and its technology, um, do you want to explain a bit about how it uses technology, specifically with blockchain? Sure. Yeah. So um, I think lots of people are familiar with uh, Bitcoin, the digital currency, um, which <laughs> probably mainly for negative reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, but the underlying technology of Bitcoin is a quite powerful um, data system called a blockchain. Um, blockchains are getting quite a lot of press at the moment because they're seen as a really exciting next phase for the internet. Um, as we all know, the internet revolutionised the way we communicate with each other and share content like this. But um, it is quite difficult to trust uh, information that's transmitted through the internet. And so what Bitcoin has revolutionised um, through this technology called blockchain is the, the ability to um, transfer trustworthy data or, or currency um, through the internet without a third party so no need for a bank so at provenance we use that technology how is that different to for example paypal or snapchat yeah so um paypal is very different so paypal has a trusted third party that brokers every single transaction that goes through its website um in fact i think it has two trusted third parties one of which is visa or mastercard and the other one is paypal itself what Bitcoin allows you to do is to transmit value in the same way as PayPal, except there is no Visa or MasterCard or um, PayPal. There is a protocol. So the code itself is the trusted third party, um, which is quite a powerful idea and cuts out uh, many middlemen on the Internet. Lots of people are thinking this concept could revolutionise um, lots of web applications that we use every day, like Airbnb, Uber, Facebook. They could all be um, the data could all be held in a in a decentralised format, as with Bitcoin. And why is it seen as more reputable than? Bitcoin. So there's lots of nefarious stuff going on. <laughs> um, Bitcoin, of which is the best example, because all of a sudden you've moved this uh, trust need for a trusted third party, and therefore you can do whatever you want, and the, the uh, it becomes a bit wild wild west. Um, however, blockchain technology is is less nefarious um, and is actually quite a powerful enabler for us to do um, lots of 
interesting things with data. So how we use it is to um, broker information along a supply chain. So it allows us to create a system for data exchange that puts um, that gives the same amount of agency to the fishermen at the beginning of the process with their data as it does the big retailer at the end of the chain. So it's a far more democratic, secure um, way to, to share information if you have a, a situation where um, there's an imbalance of power. So it's quite a powerful technology. Mm. I think we will see lots and lots more applications um, coming about, uh, but it's right at the beginning. Mm. It's really interesting. Um, and social media um, is obviously, it must be on your mind. Yeah. Um, and a big part of what you do, because the way that I see what you're doing, it's kind of crowdsourced. Mm hmm crowdsource verification so you're you see social media as a force for good definitely yes um how do you use it with provenance mm. to talk to people um how are you planning to develop that yeah um so i really think social media is an amazing force for good and it's really in terms of provenance i think it's really one of the big inspirations because it's shown how now we can talk directly to companies um which <laughs> might but that really wasn't a reality um only a few years ago to be able to tweet a complaint or whatever that might be it's it's kind of really demonstrating how the walls between company and customer are, are breaking down um so we use Provenance, again, very much on the positive to help with um, celebrating businesses that are doing great things and sharing more of the insides of, of what's going on in their company and supply chain. So we very much use it as a, as a way to um, a platform for um, the great businesses we work with. We're also trying to encourage people to use their own social media to help businesses be more open. So if you visit a farm when you're going to a farm shop, share in share photos of, of that experience and help that business be more trustworthy and transparent to other people that might go there. I think we're at the grassroots of the social movement we're trying to create and most of our attention is on helping businesses to be more transparent first and foremost. But the, the vision for provenance is about trying to create um, a world where customer and, and business know a lot more about each other and can communicate directly. Mm. So how do you... 10 years time or 10 years from now how, how, where do you see yourself where do you see provenance well I think the vision is that one day every great product will come with provenance it will come with the ability to understand where it came from and who is the business that created it I think the application for that is um, could be huge especially when we start to think about non-consumable products and the need that we have to try and increase recycling or indeed try and create a circular economy mm. where things are, are infinitely recycled, then tracking materials and where things have come from becomes of quite a paramount importance. So even though now at the moment we're mostly working on bringing transparency to food supply chains, ideally what we'd like to do is to be able to track all kinds of material things through their whole life cycle in order to create that circle um, mm. of things being changed into new things. Are you considering virtual reality at all? I'm interested. Have you been thinking about that? Yeah, I'm a large fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends recently got an HTC uh, virtual reality headset and it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, yes, I think we really would um, like to spend more time thinking about the experience of interacting with the data and imagery that we gather along the supply chain. And I think 
virtual reality dining experience might not be too far away for us. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, um, slightly less intense questions now. Um, what do you do? Wh- wh- what do you read for inspiration, information, whether it's online publications, mm-hmm. magazines? Yeah social media um, accounts that you follow yeah i a whole range of stuff i think um inspiration for business um whole range of stuff i i think i really like podcasts so i'm really into um gimlet media has loads of podcasts i listen to all of those so they've got a great one called startup which is like yeah. the whole um <laughs> and so re- yeah definitely a big podcast listener and find that's really good for on the go as well um reading i tend to mostly i I kind of have a bunch of mailing lists that i subscribe to like things like refinery 29 which i always like to get business stories um and then i'm really i'm quite into reading like design blogs and stuff i think for me i like to get inspiration from are there any ones in particular Mm, i like it's nice that that's one of my favorite ones um or creative review I, I, or Dazine is another big one and I pretty much always look at Core 77 like I like to look at other parallel technology projects that are happening um, that maybe aren't related at all to what we're doing Are there any women on Twitter that you really enjoy following Um Instagram? Yeah, well I love feminist Tinder <laughs> <laughs> any, any of those uh, accounts are pretty great um, Yeah, I really like Cindy Gallup um, she's pretty out there, but she, um, she's a really good person to follow on Twitter. I find she's just always calling people out and it's, it's, shares loads of great kind of power women. And then um, Sophia Amoroso uh, of Nasty Gal is just like constantly awesome. And her girl boss account is just great. Really like it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing all that with us. No worries. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Cheers. That was Jessie Baker talking about her big idea. I'm Danielle Radoichin. Tune in next week for more career inspiration and check out previous episodes on Acast, iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.